0: you know, someone asked me who's a better scorer, him or Michael Jordan. And and it's just factual that James Harden is a better scorer than Michael Jordan. Uh, James Harden is by far number one in NBA history. Yeah, People probably aren't going to like you saying that. I no, no, that people hate it. Now, the counter argument is reasonable. They say if you put Michael Jordan on a team now, he would do more than James Harden. If you give this guy the ball, how much does his team score after you give him the ball before the other team gets the ball? It's James Harden. And I know that that makes people mad it's, but it's just it's literally a fact i don't want much in life i just want a woman to commit to me the way daryl Morey commits to james harden i mean can you be mad at him though at one point in history james harden was
1: generating the most points out of everybody that's literally ridiculous we're talking about a 6-5 guard what's up guys welcome to the laced up podcast
0: are we being trolled <laughs> right now, Mike? What the fuck? Can I walk off right now? <laughs> Put that on a poster! Whoa! Oh,
1: now it's just an all-star game yeah. right now. You're such a bully!
0: You don't deserve LeBron James, all right? It's insane. And you deserve exactly what happened to Chicago over the past decade. <laughs> so how'd you win your ex-girlfriend breakup? Bro!
1: Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <Get him. laughs> It because you were bad at
0: basketball. <laughs> yeah. Yes. On my I get a So that was like a two-year-old clip of Daryl Morey on James Harden. This isn't recent, so I don't want you guys to get confused or anything, but I feel like that clip is more relevant than ever. As opposed to what we're hearing about James Harden recently and what we talked about in the previous podcast about D- um, Daryl Morey and Ben Simmons potentially being traded for James Harden in the offseason. But before we get to that, what's up guys? We're the Laced Up Podcast. I'm Flight Mike. Coop, what's up brother?
1: Yo, what's going on guys? Get like Coop. Back to bring you guys another great episode of the Laced Up podcast. Unfortunately, Mike Krizimba is still not feeling too well. So be sure to send Mike Krizimba, uh well wishes down in the comments below. He definitely sees them. We're rooting for Mike. If you're watching this, which you better be watching this, get better, bro.
0: Yeah, man, we're missing our boy. Honestly, uh, it's not the same without being able to absolutely roast the chicago bulls although you can't really roast the chicago bulls as much as you could roast the los angeles lakers but hope you're feeling better brother and uh, get well soon we miss you on the podcast but with that being said um well before we get to everything just a reminder guys we this is our second this is the first time we're doing two uh two episodes in a week right so like this is the first, this is the first second episode. Rather, we're at two episodes a week now, guys. Um, you could catch these uploads. We have your drives to work and to school in mind. You could catch our episodes six hours sooner on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And then if you want to see video afterwards, like if you want to see the news, fo- uh, news on your screen and Coop and I yelling at each other and our facial expressions, you can catch us on youtube.com forward slash laced up podcast. Now, Coop man, I'm sure you heard this bizarre rumor and it seems like this rumor keeps on expanding over and over again. As time goes on, at first it was James Harden would be open to relocation. Then it's, oh, the Philadelphia 76ers want to trade Ben Simmons for James Harden in some complicated sign and trade. Now, yesterday, our buddy Jake Fisher, via Bleacher Report, came out and said that James Harden will test free agency no matter what this offseason. Like, no matter what. He could end up on the Brooklyn Nets again, but he is definitely at least giving free agency a shot because he's never tested free agency before in his 13 year career. And he wants an opportunity to do so. Did you see this?
1: Yeah, I'm not mad at it. If you're James Harden, you got to think about it like this, bro. Well, you actually don't have to, but I would think about it like this In Houston, I did everything. You know, I went toe to toe with one of the best franchises in the association, one of the best teams in this uh, association, You know, I put up crazy numbers. I showed everybody that I was capable of being one of the best shooting guards of all time. I showed everybody that I was capable of being one of the best offensive players of all time. What James Harden had to do in Houston, regardless of how much hate he got, is not natural. This guy would carry offense after offense after offense, questionable roster after questionable roster after questionable roster. Even when the rosters weren't questionable, they'd have a whole bunch of injuries. So, yeah, I'm not mad at James Harden for being like, yo, okay, let's see what the free agent market is doing, especially since he spent so much time in Houston. Yo, shout out to my boy, though, man. You know I love Harden.
0: So, here's the thing testing free agency no matter what. Is there a better situation for Harden out there other than the Brooklyn Nets? he has Kyrie Irving part time but he has Kyrie Irving he has Kevin Durant he has a pretty damn good supporting cast although like most of the players are injured um and they got the, and they got their cheeks clapped against my Los Angeles Lakers last night they have, a, they have Joe Harris, they have Patty Mills, you know, they have Cam Thomas, they have some good young players. Like if you come, I like comparing the Brooklyn Nets to the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets are significantly more balanced than the Los Angeles Lakers and both teams have a big three. So do you think there's a better team out there? And if you're James Harden, what's your, what are you looking for in a potential new team?
1: I think there are definitely situations that can be as good and become better than the Nets situation, especially considering that Kyrie Irving is still a part-time player. You know, I don't know if everything that's going on right now is going anywhere. If Kyrie was, you know, healthy, engaged, and being a full-time player, I'd be like, you know, Harden, if you want to win, just stay in Brooklyn. You you want to know what's really crazy to me? I really think that there's a shot that if the Nets never traded for James Harden, that they win the NBA championship. Of course, this is hindsight and recency bias all being involved because you know Harden was hurt, you know Kyrie got hurt, but Jared Allen, the the Nets didn't need much, you know. Jared Allen is playing at an all-star level this year. Karis Levert is looking really good, and this is assuming good health for all of these players, so it's not really... A fair comparison to make but I think there is a good chance that the Nets do go on to win the championship if they never uh, trade for Harden and of course they still have all those picks which if Harden decides to leave become amazing for my Houston Rockets
0: Mm -hmm. so I honestly I don't think that's that wild of a take I actually said the exact same thing Not even when the Harden trade went down, but there was this point when Kyrie Irving first signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Do you remember he got injured early on and people were throwing around the statistic how the Brooklyn Nets were performing better without Kyrie Irving on the court than with Kyrie Irving on the court. And he comes back this one game and they have this big loss and he pretty much says that it's obvious that we need one more big piece. You know, I could dig up the exact quote if you want, but it didn't really make a lot of sense for me at the time because I felt like all you really needed. This was during the time where there weren't any big threes in the NBA. You just had Kyrie Irving and KD in Brooklyn. You had Paul George and Kawhi in L.A. You had James Harden and Russ in Houston. You had A.D. and Bron in, uh, La Cien- uh, on the Lakers. And I felt like this was one of the most beautifully constructed teams in the entire NBA. You know, you had Kyrie and KD, you had Karis Levert, Jared Allen, you had um, you had Joe Harris, you had Spencer Dinwiddie, which is forever going to be one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA. I didn't see the purpose of going out and acquiring James Harden to begin with. Um, I felt like those three personalities together. Could have been a potential time bomb, especially when you consider the fact that Kyrie Irving and James Harden have like the opposite personality. You know, Kyrie's very serious. Um, James Harden's a little bit more like uh, relaxed, likes to enjoy himself, um, for lack of a better word. Kyrie's very big into activism and James Harden's very into Lil Baby. So like it, it seems like and they both use their platforms for different purposes as they are entitled to. But it seems like James Harden might be getting fed up with Kyrie Irving's antics as well. Do you remember that interview in the very beginning of the year where um, with uh, Kyrie Irving and his vaccination status and James Harden was kind of rolling his eyes at the interview?
1: Yeah, I definitely remember that interview.
0: So, like, it's I don't know. I could see this team breaking up. It would be a shame and a huge waste of potential. And something that I don't think any of us could predict, I didn't think the NBA would be in a situation where Kyrie Irving has to play part-time. I didn't think injuries would catch up with the Brooklyn Nets to the extent that it has. And I didn't think James Harden would be fed up with a situation where he could potentially win a championship. But you also have to bear in mind, there's a team out there, whose general manager literally thinks he is the greatest offensive weapon, even a better offensive weapon than Michael Jordan. And this man has consistently put star pieces around James Harden, made him like the focal point and made him feel like the most important player in the world. I don't see why James Harden wouldn't want to go to Philadelphia and team up with Joel Embiid.
1: So the thing with the Brooklyn Nets is as bad as things have been this season, as we are recording this, they're number 3 in the Eastern Conference. So to answer your question, honestly, I want to backtrack a little bit and like I, I don't know if like everything is going for the Brooklyn Nets that there is necessarily a better basketball situation if everybody's bought in and you know they and Kyrie's full time because I mean the the Eastern Conference is so close and I just think if the Brooklyn Nets are healthy right now, there's a good chance that they just run away with this whole thing. You know Harden has been inconsistent to start the year. Kyrie hasn't played a majority of the year and Kevin Durant's out like six weeks. This team has everything and that's not including the Joe Harris injuries and how long Nick Claxton has been out and the time that LaMarcus Aldridge has missed. This team's really good. I think it just comes down to the fact that does like Harden care enough to stay? Like you said, can he coexist with Kyrie Irving? Can he just say you know screw it this is basketball we're just gonna focus on basketball and go out with this championship
0: it's just hard because there have been so many distractions that weren't just strictly basketball you know um for the brook uh, that weren't strictly basketball for the brooklyn nets and maybe that factors into harden's decision but it's really tough to say i mean I, th- I think Philadelphia is as good of a situation for him. I do think there's a chance that he returns to the Brooklyn Nets, but at the same time, I could see I could see him just as easily leaving because of all of the issues that are off the basketball court. Um, apparently, he doesn't respect Steve Nash's lineups either. I mean, there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff in that Jake Fisher article. So honestly, we're going to have to see. But if he's testing, uh, but a part of me feels like this is just some indirect flirting from the 76ers and James Harden. Maybe Harden's camp wants to let the Sixers know, yo, just stand pat. You know, I'm going to come this offseason. We'll work something out. Don't do anything drastic. Don't trade for someone that you would possibly be untradeable. Make sure you put yourself in a situation where you could acquire me, because if this wasn't true, you would think Harden's camp would shut it down. You know, like from the very beginning when Mark Stein said he's open to relocation 10 days ago, there hasn't been a single report that said this isn't true. Hell, you even had Kendrick Perkins coming out this morning and hopping on the bandwagon saying that everything you're hearing is true, which he's not the most credible source, but you have Kendrick Perkins, Jake Fisher, Mark Stein. You know, it's only a matter of time. We're really waiting on the Woj or Shams report on this situation to see how... Like True, it actually is, but so far, it doesn't seem like anyone's trying to put a stop to this rumor.
1: I think James Harden
0: wants to put a stop to the rumor, but I mean,
1: you can only take players' word as so much in today's day and age.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, but you also have to bear in mind, this is the guy that came out and literally said in an interview that, this is crazy. Like with his final interview with the Rockets, this is crazy. I don't think we could compete for a title. Trade my ass. I don't want to be here. So I don't know. It's, uh, that it's was something. that
1: was because the Rockets weren't competing for anything. Also, he had nothing to lose by doing that. He wanted out. He wanted out right then and there. There's still a chance that he returns to Brooklyn. So a little bit different of a situation because you don't want to just implode when you're the three seed. The Rockets were never going to be
0: good that season. So here's the exact quote from Kendrick Perkins. He said, "Harden's camp has been telling people in Philly, we want to come play with Embiid next year. This isn't a lie. This is facts." And you have Lil Baby, apparently, is part of this camp. Now, this is, like, hysterically memed Um, (laughs) in, like, all of uh, NBA's social media, the little crush James Harden and Lil Baby have. Honestly, it's just really interesting to see James Harden in these rumors again. Um, I thought we were done with this once he got traded to a contender. Apparently not. So this is definitely something we're going to monitor for the rest of the year, especially going into the trade deadline.
1: Which Bro, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. There's no way you thought we were done with this.
0: I mean, I 100 percent thought so. I thought they. I mean, I understand there's like these generalizations about their personalities and how you know things are, getting, how things will probably explode because each of their personalities typically are headline gra- uh, are headline grabbing, but. I don't know. I usually expect NBA players to put it to the side and try to compete for a championship, especially in Harden's case, who's never won a championship before. But speaking of championships, um, the time at the time we're recording this video, um, obviously, the late great Kobe Bryant passed away two years ago. One of the darkest moments in probably every basketball fan for every single basketball fan. And uh, first of all, um, Coop, where were you when you found out that uh, Kobe Bryant died?
1: I was, you know, I think I was just like laying down watching TV and then I got the news. And obviously, you know, when something like that happens, you know, you don't want to you don't want to just jump to conclusions and think everything is true because, you know, it's 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 not easy news to digest you know everybody deals with trauma differently and in that situation it was one of those things where you just like neglectful and you don't want to believe what you're reading it was it was it was a tough time for me bro and you know not not just kobe but for like everybody involved in that situation like it was it was it was gut-wrenching and as the details came out and i did, i didn't like the way you know all the details were coming out i I thought it was really unprofessional but you know yeah it was it was, it was tough bro mhm it
0: it was uh definitely like one of the most difficult days of my life from uh, multiple standpoints i remember the night before and I, for some reason like ever since as a result of that night like the night before i Always associate like cold fog with Kobe Bryant's passing because I remember the night before um, I went out drinking with buddies, you know, celebrating my friend's birthday. And I uh, I remember getting dropped off in an Uber, going home. You know, I was like, oh, what a great night, and it was like foggy as hell. And I live in L.A. And then I slept for maybe like four hours because my brother shook me. And, you know, I think I was, I still was a little drunk at the time, but my brother shook me. He's like, Kobe Bryant died. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, no, bro. Like, let me go back to sleep. No, we didn't. And sure enough, I got the notifications on my phone and, uh, you know, definitely one of the darkest moments.
1: For me, Kobe was like, that was one that's probably, probably my favorite player of all time. The NBA has not been the same since Kobe Bryant has left it. The Los Angeles Lakers have never been the same since Kobe Bryant has left. And I'm not sure they will ever be the same. Those Kobe Bryant Lakers were different. I don't know if it was Kobe, if it was, you know, the uh, Aurora of the team. There was just something that was so special about those Lakers teams to me. And I was a Lakers fan back in the day. I can admit that before New Orleans got a team. I was a Rockets fan. And I was a Kobe fan and just watching them was amazing for me.
0: I mean, I think for me, it was, I think for all of LA and me, because I became a fan mainly because of Kobe Bryant, it was more what he represented. And, you know, I was too young at the time to realize it when I was growing up watching him because I always thought, okay, you know, Kobe's going to retire we're the Lakers. We're going to find our next Kobe, you know. But when he re- he goes ahead, he retires. And you just can't find someone that represented not only basketball, but just represented his, like, just represented life. You know, the drive to be great, the desire to be great, doing whatever it takes to achieve that greatness is something that it's it, – I, I could – say with confidence, it's been injected in my in my DNA as a result of him. You know, there's times where I would like look at a situation and without even thinking, it's like, hey, you have an opportunity to be great. You should chase that greatness the way Kobe Bryant would. And it's just a shame that someone that worked so hard, achieved so much, had to die so soon. Here's a question that I have for you that's a little bit more basketball centric and something that I've always personally wondered about Kobe Bryant myself. What do you think would have happened if Kobe and Shaq stayed together?
1: I mean, beyond dynasty, I don't even know if there's a basketball word for that. You know, what are we talking about, like 10 championships or something crazy? I mean, Kobe and Shaq, bro, just just unbelievable. I don't know, man. What do you think would have happened if if they ended up staying together?
0: I'm a Laker fan, okay. So I'm probably gonna get a lot of hate for this. Um, you have Kobe Bryant entering like pretty much his prime years, right? Um, the moment Shaq got traded away, that's when Kobe started like putting up bizarre statistics. And then you have Shaq slowly beginning to decline. You know, he didn't really take I love Shaq. I have his signed jersey. Um, hopefully I'll get it on my wall soon. Um but slowly entering his decline, he was able to win one with Dwayne Wade, and then you know, maybe one or two more years of productivity before he started uh, swapping jerseys. Um, I honestly think they have they may make it to one more NBA finals, and then the Lakers would have blown it up anyway.
1: One more NBA finals that is bold. I don't know, man. I don't know about that one. One more finals appearance with Shaq. I think Shaq was still a really good player, even in even in those years where he was bouncing around. I remember with the Phoenix Suns, you know, I mean, I guess I'm not viewing everything necessarily in a vacuum. I'm just thinking about, like, what if Shaq was healthy, in shape, and able to continue playing high-level basketball? Shaq going to the Suns pretty much, like, saved the, the later years of his career because... He was pretty much done. I mean, the injuries were piling up. He was out of shape. And, you know, he got with that Phoenix medical staff that has done so many good players good. And they ended up being able to get one of the best versions of Shaq. I honestly still can't believe he was able to play in a running gun system with Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash, and Damari Stoudemire. Just ridiculous stuff there. Um, It, w-
0: it wasn't that successful, uh, bear in mind because the paint was like ridiculously clogged, but um, it was still very interesting to watch. Shaq had two years where he averaged about 20 points per game before he dipped to 17 points per game um, off of a 59% shooting. Um, in his third year in Miami before he got tra- uh before he got traded Kobe Bryant meanwhile was just getting better and better he went from averaging tw- 27 points per game to 35 points per game to 31 points per game um so if Shaq was w- would be willing to like let go of his ego a little bit let Kobe Bryant take the front seat which I don't imagine him doing so because to this day Shaq thinks he's the greatest um I personally think in terms of his potential, he fulfilled like maybe 70% of it, you know, but that just is a testament to how good he was. Imagine yeah, Shaq I was about with- to say,
1: like, not a not a bad career for the big Shaq this. And guys, yeah, yeah. two t- championships was a joke, but I, d- I definitely would have still loved to see them stick it out, but, you know, there's no going back, I guess.
0: Yeah, True. You also have to bear in mind they had those Spurs teams also that were starting to really hit their groove at that point. Like they they've already experienced success, but they were getting everyone in their prime at that point. They just drafted Tony Parker a couple of years prior. They got Manu Ginobili. Like the West was pretty competitive back then as well. Um, but yeah, that's just a what-if that we honestly need Mike Corzemba here for because he's the king of what-ifs.
1: Yeah, he is definitely the what if guy for the podcast.
0: So did you I know you're going to love talking about this, man. Like, Coop, I know I know you're I know you're infatuation with rookies. You know, I know how much you love this past year's draft class. I know how much you love next year's draft class even more. So in the offseason, Jalen Green took a shot at the Detroit Pistons for drafting Cade Cunningham over him. Which, by the way, I thought it was the right move. Cade Cunningham, significantly more better all-around player. Higher upside, Jalen Green seems to be a little bit more of a dedicated scorer. And in the beginning, you could see Jalen Green had that dog in him. But recently, Cade Cunningham has been absolutely remarkable. He recently had a career game for himself. And Jalen Green has gone ice cold. So, how do you feel about this, Coop?
1: Yeah, Cade Cunningham is looking like the real deal. We knew that, though. We knew coming in Cade was going to be legit. In the month of January, he's averaging 18 points. He's shooting 45.5% from the field. And his free throw percentage, I know it's not the, the the you know, the The cute thing to talk about, but he's knocking down 85% of his free throws. And on top of that, this guy is averaging five assists per game, four boards. And if you go over the course of the season, he's averaging 16, five and five. Kate Cunningham has been legit. Now, I'll say this about Jalen Green. You're not going to understand why Jalen Green is struggling just by looking at the numbers, because if you look at the numbers, they're not great. 13 points in the month of January, 13 points per game, 33% from the field, 24% from the three point line. We know Jalen Green is much better than these numbers. If you ask me, I think Cade Cunningham is in a much better basketball situation than Jalen Green. The Houston Rockets have this thing going on where they're like an L.A. fitness team. And they got the old coach, the old assistant coach from the Mavericks, Silas, who likes to run a five-out style of basketball, not a whole lot of movement. It's not exactly its not exactly a great brand of basketball. You got guys like Christian Wood getting a rebound, coming down court, shooting a shot, no passes. You got Kevin Porter Jr. running point guard, who's not a good passer in the least. He shows flashes every now and then. In the last game, he had nine assists, but he's not, he's not my ideal point guard. I love Kevin Porter Jr., I, I don't want to run in point. That's just me. You know, if he ends up being a great point guard, then, you know, the Rockets were on to something. And, and I'll, I'll look back at this and I'll deny it. But I'm joking. And then you got Eric Gordon who wants to be the guy who, who likes shooting. He actually had a game where he dropped like 31 points on 9 to 10 shooting. And after the game, he was like, yo, I should have got more shots. So the Houston Rockets are not a great basketball situation. I don't think Jalen Green has been put in necessarily the best situation to be successful and i think young players when they especially high profile young players when they go to a team you just got to give them the keys and you got to let them rock and you got to make sure whatever you're doing benefits them in the best way possible especially as a basketball coach that's how i feel about this whole situation
0: that's incredibly well said because especially if you look at the situations for both of these players Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green, two completely different situations. It seems like Jalen Green was just thrown into like a big, like, pool of talent. You know, we got Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood. We got some good players that are older, like John Wall and Eric Gordon, which you got, you already know how I feel about the fact that the Houston Rockets are literally just stashing John Wall, who, by the way, isn't even traveling with the team. He's literally just working out in Miami right now. I don't understand it. I don't know how they're going to trade that guy, but different conversation. But then you have Cade Cunningham where the Detroit Pistons seem like, okay, You we're, we're down to trade every single player on our team except for Cade Cunningham. It seems like they were all in on building the best team around Cade Cunningham, which as a result is... Um, resulting in Cade Cunningham developing fairly nicely. Jalen Green just seems like a player that is just lost in a pool of talent. Cade Cunningham seems to be in a situation where the team is 100% dedicated to developing him. So obviously you get the result that you get. Hopefully, as time goes on, there's a more of a defined role for Jalen Green or they find him the right coach because I'd li- I like what you said about Steven Silas.
1: I also think Dwayne Casey has something to offer. Being like a veteran head coach, I don't want young players going and playing with young head coaches. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, Dwayne Casey's been there. He's done that. He has, you know, helped players develop. You know, admittedly, he's screwed up with a few players, but... Ultimately, you know, he has that experience. Dwayne Casey knows what it takes to be successful in the NBA. And I'm not saying that Silas doesn't because, you know, Silas has gotten rave reviews from like Luka Doncic and, you know, the Mavs front office. So, but I I think there is a difference when you have a guy that's, you know, been there, done that, like Dwayne Casey. And like you said, with what the Detroit Pistons are doing, I remember some people thought Trey Young was going to be a bust because he was shooting bad in the summer league. I'm like, bro, stop stop like you want your players you want your high profile players taking all these shots in the summer league you want rookies and young players figuring out what works early early in their career if I was a young high profile star I want to go to a team this might be crazy that really doesn't have that much talent because I want to figure everything out for myself I want to see what works I want to take those shots I want to be the guy so that's just the way I view things though you know
0: yeah yeah um, it's funny because I feel like Steven Silas would have worked out in Detroit <laughs> uh, because like I could imagine a five out system being built around Cade Cunningham successfully, but uh, currently if it's up to me, I would definitely take a coach that has the coaching predi- that has the coaching pedigree that Dwayne Casey has taking those Toronto Raptors teams to the Eastern conference finals. He would have made it to the NBA finals if LeBron James wasn't there. So, I think it's yeah. definitely uh
1: and per- and with Silas, like he like we talk about five out and this that he's done this thing this season where he's like just been so bent on running two bigs. I'm not sure Silas even knows what Silas wants at this point. So as we are recording this podcast, the Rockets sit at a 6 and 27 record with Jalen Green all time. Without Jalen Green, they are eight and Seven. How do you feel about this?
0: I remember there was a point where that stat looked significantly uglier. Did you say six and seven and eight and seven?
1: Six and twenty-seven.
0: Six and twenty-seven and eight and seven. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. (laughs) Like, like at first I was like, okay. Like I thought you said six and seven and eight and seven. I'm like, oh, what's the big deal? But six and (laughs) twenty-seven. It's actually like,
1: worse than I thought, too. Six and twenty-seven is kind of crazy. I'm not worried about Green, but I'm just saying six and twenty-seven, just looking at the stats, is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to say. Like, it's really, really hard to say. Um, mainly because this is like a 19 year old. How old is Jalen Green? 19, 20. It's his yeah, he's first like 19, year. 1920. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. his first year in the NBA, man. Like, he's probably just trying to figure it out. Um, I don't think it all falls on one player. I think of the I think of a basketball team as like a cohesive unit and you just have to get players that play well off of each other, that get along with each other. And I don't think that's what the Rockets are, like we just said earlier. The, you have Eric Gordon, you have John Wall, you have Christian Wood. Those like Christian Wood in of itself we've talked about a couple of times just being very volatile as a personality. And yeah, that's literally
1: like their vet like one of their vets to like.
0: Yeah. And then you have like not a rookie head coach, but a second year head coach. And it's just a little bit of a mess. Honestly, um, if you, I honestly think like the ideal head coach for this type of situation would have been like Kenny Atkinson because he has a history of just really doing wonders, developing players. But I think, at How this did, point, does
1: Kenny have a job right now? He does have a job, right? He's, he's, I think he's like an somewhere. assistant somewhere. He, I think okay, he's an cool. assistant somewhere. I can't believe he hasn't gotten a head coaching opportunity.
0: Uh, me either, because like, bro, if you remember those Brooklyn Nets teams, like they didn't have a single asset. They were just taking swings on really bad players that I mean, on draft busts, you know, not really bad players. And he was making Jaleel Okafor look halfway decent. He was making D'Angelo Russell go uh, like look really, really good. It's um, uh, yeah, of course, maybe he's not the right head coach for like Kyrie and Katie. And I get that, but I'm just, um, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a job with like a developmental team.
1: Shout out to whoever trades for Eric Gordon, bro. I know he's been a good defender in Houston. I know the numbers look good. He's shooting well. He brings things to a contender. Hey, I, I don't want Eric Gordon, bro. I don't like. I don't care what I think we need. I don't want Eric Gordon. That's just me, but I'm also a biased Pelicans fan. I I don't, I don't, I don't want Eric Gordon on my team, man.
0: You don't want Eric Gordon on your team?
1: Yeah, no, if I'm a contender and I'm looking for guys that it can improve me, it's just something about Eric Gordon that would be like, no, like I don't I don't want you. You could go somewhere else, but I don't want to give up what it takes to get you, unless maybe it's like some second round picks or something. But then again, you gotta match his contract too, probably. So
0: So <laughs> this is really embarrassing. The Washington Wizards blew a 35-point lead to the Los Angeles Clippers on Tuesday. Bradley Beal had this to say about the situation. I have no words besides embarrassing. I have a lot of conversations with Tommy Shepard. We're very transparent with what we want to do and what my future looks like. And yeah, the trade deadline is coming up. And I'm very well aware of how we're playing and how other teams are playing and what my interests are. Granted, I'm giving this organization an opportunity to prove that and show that. And obviously, I'm a big factor in that, too, and producing and playing well and performing. But I want to win. And we all know that. It's just a matter of us doing it. We've got the pieces. We have the assets. We've got the depth. Everything that we bragged about at the beginning of the year. Now, let's put it together and make it work. Speculations are going to be what they are, and I can't control that. But I know what comes out of my mouth, and I know where my heart is, and everyone will know. This is coming from us from Josh Robbins of The Athletic. Coop, what do you think the future is looking like for Bradley Beal?
1: Wow. Man man that's a that's a mouthful right i mean that's that's uh yo can you send me that quote i want to i want to actually like read that i want to process that again bradley deal yeah, okay got, well
0: yeah i got you
1: yeah i appreciate that obviously somebody that has become frustrated and i mean i don't know man when you look at the washington wizards it's like what's what's their path to becoming a legit contender Okay, goodness, you know, they're having the season of dreams, right? And they're 10th in the Eastern Conference. Like, okay, well, what could this team do to get better? You know, you got a bunch of guys that are, if they haven't reached their ceiling, they're pretty close to their ceiling. And, you know, some of these guys on the team could be slowing development of some of the younger players on the team. So, I don't know. I think the Wizards are in a really weird situation that if they don't find a way to, like, get another, like, legit star... You know, I do look into trading Bradley Bill, and I do think it's one of those situations where it's good for both parties. I know a lot of fans get mad when you talk about, like, a player getting traded. Honestly, when AD wanted out, I wasn't mad. I wasn't, I really wasn't, I wasn't mad. I was like, yo, we ran our course. Like, you know, we tried to win. We couldn't. Things didn't go our way, you know. Be it, we we had some successful rosters, but there would be injuries, there would be problems. Okay, it's time for a change. Like, let's, like, this era has run its course. It's time for a reset. I don't exactly, as a fan, like, I think it's cool when players stay with their teams, but I only think that's cool. That's like the thing to do if a team has really been successful. So that's the way I kind of view that whole thing. Or a team has a path to success. Put it like that a path to success.
0: Look, I love the choice of words you had over there, especially the fact that the words run its course, because that's what the Washington Wizards have done, man. I mean, look, I'm very empathetic when it comes to large market, uh, when it comes to small market teams and their ability to construct successful rosters around their star players. But the Wizards have not been able to do that with Bradley Beal. They're in a very similar position, although a better one, than the one the Portland Trailblazers are in with Damian Lillard. In the sense that, one, you have Bradley Beal, which, huge shout out to Bradley Beal, by the way. He did the exact opposite of what Damian Lillard did, Where Damian, whereas Damian Lillard came out and said, yo, I want you to know I'm loyal and literally reminding us every like two weeks to the point where we want to bang our head against the freaking wall. You have Bradley Beal saying, look, I'm going to sign a favorable contract for me to hit free agency during my prime, you know, give the next team like two or three of my... Uh, prime to post prime years, and um, I'm going to really take control of my career. I'm going to be very transparent with the Washington Wizards that this is what I'm going to do. And as a result, Brad. And by the way, he's given them every single opportunity to prove that he could build. They could build a contender around him. One, probably because they could pay him the most, and he wanted to get some of that money. But two, because I think he just is a pretty nice guy for doing that. And he just wants to be the guy in Washington. And we talked about this in the past where once a star player leaves their team that originally drafted them, they're not going to get the same type of love from the next team. You know, like you look at Anthony Davis and Laker fans, we love Anthony Davis, but it's not like the amount that the Pelicans were showing him love and the Pelicans were pretty much trying to develop him and how invested the Pelicans were in him the same's going to probably happen to Bradley Beal. If he gets traded to a team like the Heat, or if he gets traded to another team, he's probably just going to be another cog in the machine. And I'm assuming that's why he gave the Washington Wizards the opportunity that they currently have to try to build a contender around him. But at this point, man, let's be honest, the Wizards are 10th place in the East. For the fans that are going to say, but Mike, the East is so competitive right now, they're still five games back from the sixth seed. And... Yeah, of course, you could say that they are, like, one or two games back from the eighth seed, but is that what we're really gunning for? Are we willing to risk losing Bradley Beal for absolutely nothing whatsoever just so we can make it to the eighth seed? Like, Trade the man, see what you got in Denny Avdia, see what you got in the rest of your roster. Trade Spencer Dinwiddie too, damn it, while you're at it. Get a couple first round picks. This year's NBA draft, as my boy Get Like Coop always likes to say, is absolutely freaking loaded. You know, anywhere in the top 10, any pick in the top 10 that you could get is a good swing for a potential franchise cornerstone type of talent. Bradley Beal did his thing, man, for you guys over the past decade. It's time to appreciate that and send him to a contest and get some picks for the future in return or potentially risk losing him for absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, I feel bad because I know Wizards fans are, I don't know, I was about to say shaking their head at the thought of building around Kyle Kuzma, but I mean, Kyle Kuzma's been a dog in Washington. Shout out to Kyle Kuzma for putting it together. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Wizards fans, I love you guys.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't want to... I don't want to make it sound like uh, I don't want to like take. I don't want to like disrespect Kyle Kuzma. It's just hearing those words out of your mouth was really funny to me as a Laker fan. But no, Kyle Kuzma has been holding it down. Just hearing those words, yeah, yeah, it's like building around Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope and Montrez Harrell. The Wizards just need to be sellers, man. Like, did you actually have-
1: see that that like KCP and Montrez like got into it?
0: Yeah, I did.
1: That's okay. It's crazy. Like, I I think it was a pretty serious or moderately serious type of situation relative to, like, things that happen in the NBA. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you.
0: The trade market for a player like Beal is very complicated. So that's just something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on. Um, But I don't think he's going to get traded before the deadline. I think the Wizards, for some reason, are doing whatever they can to hold on to him. And we'll see how that goes, but at the very worst, I, I, I do think that this is his final season on the Washington Wizards.
1: I just want to say, look out for Beale in New Orleans.
0: Oh my God! Here, I think he'd be a perfect fit. I think he'd be a perfect Zion and Beal. What Zion? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just yeah. uh, you seeing uh, it. You? I don't know what's up with Pelicans fans and thinking that they're getting every single star on the market. You guys are freaking delusional. Bradley Beal's every star in the market? Uh, I I mean, jokes aside, I think that it would be a decent fit. He could play off of Ingram. He could play off of Zion, assuming Zion ever plays again. And by the way, can we talk about my Zion prediction real quick? You remember when I said he's never going to play for the Pelicans this year?
1: Mm -hmm. I think most people said that. I didn't think he was going to play for the Pelicans this season either.
0: You did. Yeah, you did. Um, closing thoughts until next time
1: Okay what are, you, what are your closing thoughts Mike
0: Um, My Lakers beat the Second best team in the eastern uh, In the east last night We're going all the way things are looking up It had nothing to do with the myriad of injuries that they had
1: The NBA is you know what I actually have closing thoughts The NBA is messed up The Pelicans have to play I think three Back to backs this week because the 76ers Didn't have enough players for a game in like December I think three back to backs mm-hmm. Is
0: ridiculous That's all I'm mm-hmm. going to say That's all I'm gonna say that we miss you, Mike. We miss you, Mike.